Welcome to another episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton, and today our guest is none other than Mr. Will Poole. He's a former professional football player, national champion, and Rose Bowl defensive MVP, but this conversation goes well beyond just sports accolades. We talk about Will and his journey and him as his entire person, holistically, and all the challenges that are beyond the glory and all the things that you see and challenges in his personal life and ways that he's overcome it and continues to find ways to overcome challenges in his life and even bouts of substance abuse and you know, off the field issues, a lot of things. But Will is, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to call him a friend and a colleague and just a remarkable man. And I hope that you take from this certain things that I know can be important in a lot of people's lives and that's persevering being thoughtful and giving it your best effort in whatever it is that you're going for so without any further ado here he is Mr. Will Poole Will Poole welcome to the podcast oh man thanks Dustin I appreciate you for having me it's good to be here there's going to be a lot of fun because there's there's a lot to cover, but I, I'm I'm really excited to dive into your your project, uh, Project Free Will. Uh, but before we go there, could you quickly just introduce yourself and who you are, a little bit about you? Yeah, no problem. So uh, my name is Will Poole. I am a um, former uh, NFL football player. I'm originally from New York City. I uh, grew up in Queens, New York. Uh, after that, I, re- I went to Boston College to play football, uh, transferred out of there and went to Ventura College to play football. Uh, from there, I ended up at USC, uh, which ended up being home, uh, played for Pete Carroll, won a national championship there, and then uh, got drafted in the fourth round to the Miami Dolphins. Um, but, you know, growing up in New York City, I played a lot of basketball growing up. Um, as soon as the sun comes out out there, the basketball courts are filled filled up, you know. Um I was uh, I was a, a, um, only child to uh, teenage parents, um, so my earlier childhood from up until first grade, I was living in uh, West Virginia with my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother Joanne, she was the one that put me into sports. Uh, I started off playing t-ball out there in West Virginia, and then um, you know that's a time where we were raised by the community in the early '80s. I did a lot of fishing, a lot of uh, playing with BB guns, and then all the sports. And then one day I moved from the woods to the city, you know, as my mom's, you know, figured things out, got her life together. I went back to New York and ended up in uh, Brooklyn, New York in my early years. And um, at a Super Bowl party right around 1988 is where the dream started. I was watching the uh, Denver Broncos versus the Washington Redskins. And I was just sitting in front of TV like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. Um, I didn't have any previous connection with football at the time other than playing outside with my friends, you know. Um, how, but- how old were you at this time? I was eight. Okay. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of my dream. You know, um, I grew up in New York City playing all three sports. Um, High school, I played all three sports. Uh, I knew that I wasn't going to go to college unless I played at least basketball and football. Um, I didn't really have a lot of uh, prerequisites for the college other than 
do you guys play on TV eight times a year? <laughs> like, can I play basketball? You know, at the time, right? Um, that's just the way it was for me at that at that at that moment. Just going in, into college, that's really all I cared about. I didn't care about academics. I just did the schoolwork because I know I needed to pass in order to play. And so that's you know I ended up there. Um, fast forward, got drafted, career was over, and then. Um, the transition really started. So okay. a little bit you, about me. You just skipped over so much. So we're going to dive into a couple of these things. That's all good. You, you set, you set the groundwork. That's good. So your first love sport was basketball. Yes. Who Who is your favorite player? Jordan. Yeah. Mike. MJ. And so when you're, when you were out, when you were out playing, there was, that was your, did you, do you feel like, Going towards football later, and basketball was still your soul. Was was there was there anything that transferred as far as your skills uh, that transferred immediately to the football field? Oh, tons of basketball skills transferred over to football. Um, anticipation, you know, catching a ball at its high point, like for rebounds. Um, defense, sliding your feet, uh, fast twitch movements. Um, so a lot of a lot of a lot of things um, was able to transfer over. Uh, from the football, I mean, from basketball to the football field. If if you look at wide receivers now, like a Stephon Diggs or those guys that like Mike Medanius coach, who's the head coach of the, um, of the uh, uh, Miami Dolphins, their wide receiver releases are actual basketball moves. They're doing crossovers, in and out crossovers. That's that's what they're doing. So like, hmm. I used to tell guys all the time growing up in New York that played basketball, like you're not going to the NBA. But if you put this helmet on. You would be a first round pick. You're a bunch of basketball rejects, you know, the six two guys that could be a be be just amazing athletes, you know. So basketball helps tremendously with football. So when you start when did you start to see that that was gonna be the difference? That you could maybe play basketball, but football was really where where you could get an immediate or or was that your sentiment at the time? Well, you know, it's it's funny because growing up in New York City, a lot of my friends didn't even know I played football. I was like covertly going and playing football and was like really good, right? The best in the city. But I also was really good in basketball. I played on a nationally ranked high school team, Christ the King High School. We was ranked number two and three, both my, uh, my junior and senior year. I played with Riverside Church, one of the top AAU programs and went to Paris and all kind of places to play basketball. And so... You know, growing up, you know, I was I, football was always, you know, my number one sport, but I didn't have anything to like hang a hat on. I mean, I didn't have anybody to like compare myself with in New York City with football, where at basketball, I was playing against guys that was going to the N- NBA, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I had like a, I had something to compare myself to, but football's always been my, 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 my number one sport for, for the simple fact that I figured out like, Oh, I could run into people full speed and not, <laughs> trouble. you know, I had a lot of aggression as a, as a, as a young, as a young child. And so yeah, football was always my, my number one thing. It wasn't a question about it. And I wasn't even playing football up until I was 12 years old organized, but for some innate reason, the vision that God gave me, I just, I just knew I was going to go to the NFL. Well, I want to I want to talk about your transition when you went to college and what that was like. But before we do that, you mentioned that academics was was not something that interested you at, at all, right? 
do you think in hindsight, was there anything, and again, this is all hindsight, that you had control over that you could have done differently as far as that? I mean, I won't say it's like regrets, but like, man, I wish I had done this or, or maybe if I did a little bit more of this, I wouldn't have faced it. Was there anything like that in your in your mind? I mean, yeah, definitely have some some type of thoughts, like maybe if I would have looked more into uh, the finance uh, finance world, uh, you know, I, I think about that stuff uh, periodically. But, you know, at the time growing up in New York City and growing up in the environment I grew up in, you know, those those weren't the things that I was looking at. Right. I was looking mm-hmm. at Bo Jackson. I was looking at Deion Sanders. I was looking at you know, uh, Michael Jordan, I was just looking at Jerry Rice, all these great athletes. And all I could think of was playing sports. So it's like, okay, what's the role there? You go to high school, college, and then you go to the pros. I didn't think anything outside of that. Like I didn't go to guidance counselors. It was no doubt in my mind that that was going to happen. And then I realized that I have to do my schoolwork in order to continue to play. So that was the, the catalyst for me having great grades is the fact that I wanted to play I didn't want college. I didn't want college coaches come and look at me like some dumb jock because I'm not. Um, I just knew I just put all my eggs in one basket. You know, um, that was kind of my mindset. Uh, you know, education. You know, my mom and my and my stepdad. You know, they they wanted me to go to college and graduate and you know push education. But I was so knee deep into the into the basketball and football world. I wasn't thinking about school. So one of the things that I think is so remarkable about, and one of the things I love about doing this and having these conversations, your journey and all the things that you've seen, and we're, we're going to cover many of them here, and perfect, playing college, playing professionally, then going to the corporate world and being an entrepreneur, all these things, is that now you have a, a spectrum of context that you can share that you can share with other people. And that's one of the things we'll we'll talk about your, your, your project. And even what I'm doing now is that now we have an opportunity to show other people like, yes, it's this, the sports is, is this, but then with the education is this and your, your drive to accomplish anything that you want to do is this. And they all work in tandem. And it's, it's just a remarkable thing that I think we have the opportunity now to really make an impact on other people coming up now. Absolutely. You know, 1000%. One of the things that I share towards the end of my speaking engagements is that, you know, one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest things that we could do as humans is withhold information, you know, especially if I can give someone half my age a shortcut, you know, because as you and I both know there, you can make a decision that could set you back 10, 15, 20 years or the rest of your life. And, you know, I want to be able to share the information that I have based on, you know, my life and the testimonies that I've been able to put together through, through, through the grace of God and be able to still be here and make it through to, you know, empower somebody else and give them some golden nuggets for themselves to be able to kind of like, you know, sit with and, you know, take it, take it how they please and take what type of information applies to them. But yeah, I think the most selfish thing we could do is, have information and not give it to anybody and not give it to free. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so I digress. So you go, you go to college, you're, you're playing sports in college. Tell me about that transition and, and that experience for you. Well, it was, it was an interesting experience. Now that I look back on it um, because I went to college just unprepared for life. 
Um, you know, I made a lot of the, a lot of most of my decisions as a child on my own. Um, and with that, with that level of freedom, you know, there's some, there's some, there's some drawbacks on that. Um, so I went into Boston College with no identity of who Will Poole is. Yeah, I was good on the football field, played in, um, you know, my my, my uh, redshirt freshman year, got draft status, but I was going to eventually uh, crash out because of my impulsivity, because of my lack there of understanding of who I am. And eventually I got dismissed from the school for stealing. So I went to school 1,000% uh, unprepared for life. Do you think, and this is not taking uh, you know, any personal accountability, but when you talk about being prepared, was there anything else that that maybe the school could have done to help prepare or maybe your high school? I mean, I think I'm a big part of like, personal accountability, right? And I know you are too. Like You, you do things that you shouldn't have done, whatever. whatever. Like, it is what it is. But do you think is there anything um, that the community, the schools could have done to help ease that transition, the transition of student athletes? I think things could be in place, you know, but I went to a PWI. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's definitely going to be a huge disconnect as to what um, some, some youth coming in from the inner city may need, you know? And so I think certain schools like um, that has high profile athletes coming in should implement some type of programs where, you know, young athletes, young adults could come in and feel comfortable in their new environment and be able to help them, you know, with a soft landing based on having someone there that actually understands them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, as I look back on it, there were probably opportunities out there that someone came up to me and, you know, try to, you know, talk to me and, you know, for, for whatever reasons, it just didn't register. From maybe it could have been the whoever the per, the person you know who the person was or just the timing I'm you know mm. but there I I could look through uh, my life and chapters and I could point out different moments where there were opportunities for um you know someone to come in and encourage you and you kind of see things from a different lens but until you're ready it'll fall on deaf ears yeah yeah. So after you deal with this, this scenario, so how did you, and again, this name of this podcast is Tools, Talents, and Techniques. Were there any tools or techniques that you used to, to get back on your feet after being dismissed? Yeah, I just, you know, first of all, you know, I, I, I did the crime. I did the time. I got suspended for um, a semester. And unfortunately for me, that was the football semester. So now I'm home watching my team play. And I just had to go and make sure that when it was time for me to go back to college, wherever that was, that I was um, more mature, bigger, faster, stronger. Um, I went and got a job and I also took a couple classes at uh, Queens College just to, you know, still be um, active and still working towards my ultimate uh, degree goal. And so, you know, just the spirit of being resilient, you know, which is, 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 is a skill. You know, something, something is it's an innate trait that I that that I feel like is a skill, and then just having that you know fight inside of me that um, that north star. Um, I never lost sight of the, the north star, which was the actual dream. Um, but now, at this current moment in my life, at that stage in my life, the dream was absolutely starting to cost cost me. It was costing mm -hmm. a lot. You know, my dream actually cost me in the long run.
it cost me my mental health, my education, and it also and it also cost me um, my childhood. So when you at this at this stage when you're talking about the, like the dream, uh, can you can you elaborate on on where the next steps were you and how you how you saw the vision and the steps that you took to get there? So you know uh, the vision definitely was still to make it to the NFL, but the journey quickly changed. Um, mm-hmm. There was you know maybe I need to go to D one double A route D two route. Um, then I got a phone call from a, a coach over at Boston college, uh, surprisingly, because I was in the, I was in the, in the, in the, I was getting ready to go to a, on a legal battle. Like, Hey, look, <laughs> I need to play football. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he called me and let me know that, you know, you know, you could go to junior college and get re-recruited. So a graduate assistant who was at Boston college when I was there, ended up taking an offensive coordinator job at Ventura college. And next thing you know, I spoke to him maybe on like, a. I don't know, Wednesday, the next Tuesday, I was on a plane to California to play at Ventura College um, with two years left of eligibility. And so, you know, I came out here on a, on a, with a, a mission, on a mission. Yeah. It, it was, you know, I was, uh, I was 21. I made second team all Big East as a, as a um, redshirt freshman. So I had draft status at this point. And, you know, junior college is like 13th grade. And so, you know, playing against Michael Vick already, playing against that 2001 Miami Hurricanes team already, you know, I'm like, hey, look, if I don't go out here and dominate these 17-year-old, 18-year-old, <laughs> you know, young adults in, in 13th grade, then I'm not as good as I think I am. And so I did. Um, I got about 40 tackles, seven interceptions, six block kicks. It was, you know, I've already played two years of like major college football. So I had technique, I had skill. They, they was just, they didn't even know. So I was kind of cheating a little bit, but it worked out. I was the first team all American and I got a scholarship to USC for one for one. So that's amazing. That's amazing. And so then you go, you go to USC Mm -hmm. tell me about that experience. And especially at school that you already had this experience. And let's go back from high school playing on a nationally ranked basketball team go to Boston college, big program. Again, you go back to 13th grade. That's funny. I think about that. And then, and then you go to USC, which is, you know, the the biggest of one of the biggest of the big, like what, what was that experience like going there? Probably, probably going, it was the greatest, probably one of the greatest um, sports experience that I ever had. Um, Again, like I knew I was going to the NFL, um, but if you would have told me I was going to go to USC that was already preseason ranked number two. Come out first game against Auburn, number one versus number two, competing for a national championship. I was I, I was all in, you know, and I got the last scholarship up there because, you know, I was a one for one, meaning I only had one year left of eligibility, you know. And so when I think about that and getting that scholarship, and I got that phone call and I think about the last 18 months, right? Because 18 months prior to me getting a phone call from Ed Odron, I was back at my mom's house trying to figure out my life. Like I was working on Madison Avenue as a security guard wearing polyester and tie and pop in ties, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and all my friends like, hey, ain't you supposed to be playing football or something on TV? And I'm getting back on the bus and I'm back in the neighborhood. And so, you know, I didn't want to go back to the neighborhood. And so getting that scholarship to USC, I remember the day they called me and was like, hey, we got the scholarship for you. 
I didn't need a parent's signature because I'm I was already an adult, right? And so they they said, "Do you want us to send it in the courier, or we can send it overnight to tomorrow?" I was like, "Man, you send that thing in the courier right now. I don't want y'all to change y'all mind. I'm finna sign <laughs> that thing right now." <laughs> so he sent it. It came about seven p.m. I signed that thing with all my friends in there, and then I just start crying. Yeah, because I mean, I imagine all the that took to get to that point. You know, like all the all the ups and the downs and the stuff that you had to, to fight through to get there. That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. I think when when, it, when, it, when you talk about the culture in these different and having these different experiences, can you talk about uh, the the experience of being at USC with that team and how that compared to some of the other cultures? Anything that you learned during that time? About yourself, about teamwork, about leadership, about competition, anything? Yeah, I mean, so when I got to SC, I, I got there and I'm like, oh, this is real. This is real football. Boston College was cool, but, you know, they were actually okay with going six and six and four, seven and three, getting to like an insight.com bold. They wasn't, they didn't care about national championships and playing BCS January 1st games. I did, though, at Boston College. So I used to get into it with a lot of people about their effort and the things that they actually cared about, you know, because I'm like, look, I want to win. And because when everybody gets an opportunity. So when I got to SC, the first thing I could recognize was, oh, wow, we got a lot of athletes, a lot of people could play. And but the most important thing that there was the foundation that they built. It felt like a family. It felt like it really felt like a family. It felt like our coaches really cared about us and Pete put us in position to be successful and competing was at the top of the list for us, right? Healthy competition. So we used to have this thing called competition Tuesdays. Each one-on-one that we will have on that day will be filmed. So wide receiver versus DB, uh, running back versus linebacker, uh, O-line, D-line. And it did get filmed. Each individual one-on-one battle. The next day, Wednesday's team meeting, the whole team, and we got the big the big screen up there. We're watching the one-on-ones. So now everybody in there, as you can imagine, is like, oh, oh, <laughs> he, got, he got work. Rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. And so what that created was an atmosphere of, like, healthy competition because you didn't want to be the guy on the tape to get, you know, get embarrassed. And now everybody pointing at you, you know, so every Tuesday, it just, it just the level of raise, the level of raise. And it just, iron sharpens irons. It just made us that much better. So when we got to the game on Saturday, it was easy. Like mm. the games were literally the easiest part of the those years playing for Pete Carroll when we won those national championships because we practiced so hard. We practice, you practice how you play, right? So if you, you either get better or you get worse. You don't stay the same. You're right. So you practice how you play, full speed, intensity. I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I'm also not trying to get beat. You know, I'm not trying to lose, right? And so then you come together on a, on a, on a Saturday as as one unit. Oh man, we was going out there. We was we was really intimate. The game was over before the game started. A lot of times. Did you? feel now or even in retrospect thinking back then did that start to bleed over into other parts of your life on how you prepare for things and how you approach things yes yes um for me that 
Now, I was at SC for six months because I was a one-for-one. As soon as the season was over, I left to get ready for the NFL. That small window of time in my 42 years created so much, so much for me, so much um, understanding of leadership from Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll used to say things on a Thursday like, look around the team meeting room and go, you guys are ready. And just that, just him saying that, I felt like I was ready, right? But it was because we prepared. What he did was he put the best of the best coaches in position to be successful and let them do their jobs, right? He wasn't in every meeting and, you know, trying to have his hand in everything. He just, you know, got the best people and let them go do their thing and be the best. And he just kind of like made sure everything was uh, status quo. And, you know, he was a real, he's a real person, you know, and, and, and as an athlete, you could feel that, you know, we all can, we all can feel that. So no, it was, it was, it was great times. That was, that was the best. Um, that was the best. Well, I, I definitely want to put a pin in that comment and, and Pete Carroll and how he does that leadership. When we start talking about the transition into the corporate world. <laughs> so we got to definitely yeah. touch on that, but I don't want to skip over your NFL okay. career because that's, it's remarkable, and I'd love to hear you expand on what that experience was like for you. Well, the experience was great, but, you know, I'll be remiss not just being honest and letting that I still was, you know, dealing with um, issues that I had. You know, I still was having identity issues. I still, you know, you know, made it to the league. And it's not lost on me that, you know, all the stars aligned for me to get there. Um I'm so, so absolutely grateful um, for that opportunity. Um, but I made it, and I made it on a broken child's dream, you know. Um, I got to the league. I played my rookie year. Uh, I left a lot of plays on the field. Um, I, start, I started really becoming a little bit more impulsive. Now I'm making money. And um, I remember I had the rookie starter pack, you know, the Escalade on 24s you know, the 40 inch chain with the watch and everything that comes along with it. <laughs> Called the rookie starter pack. Yeah, the, 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 the NFL rookie starter pack. And um, I remember walking down the street one day on like South Beach and I kind of looked at myself in the reflection and I was just, in, I was just in awe, just shocked at what I was, what I saw. And um, that probably was the last time I really wore like jewelry like that because I just didn't really like the way that felt. And so you know, my NFL career fell short. I got injured uh, the next two years. Um, and I, and I quite frankly, left a lot of plays on the field, you know, and those are the things that, you know, through the grace of God, I've been able to kind of deal with day to day. Um, some days is tougher than others, but, you know, and that, and that all comes and stems from, you know, childhood, um, you know, um, lack there of identity, understanding of yourself, of self, and, you know, putting myself in those, in those positions. So, yeah, I look back at my NFL career. I'm thankful that I got a chance to get I realize my dream. But I, I I left a lot of plays on the field. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to I don't want to overlook what you said is you remember the moment that you looked at yourself and were like, "What am I doing?" You remember that that exact moment? I remember it like it was yesterday. I was uh, about to go out. It was daytime. And um, I don't know, we was just like parked. I remember exactly where it was at. It was on, uh, I want to say either, 
it was on Collins and like maybe Third Street or Fourth Street or something like that. I was walking, I was walking towards like I was I don't know where I was going, but I looked in the I looked in like you know they got the stores. I looked in one of the stores and I saw my reflection. It was just yeah. Like, Cause you're like, why is everybody looking? Are you walking like, what is everybody looking at? Look at that. Why are they looking at me? Right. And I'm walking around with jewelry and chain and glasses. And it's like, Oh, that's what I don't yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not me. So pretty much I was already doing things like that just wasn't who, that's just not who I am. You know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's such a impactful moment to reflect on because being able to acknowledge of like how you feel and how you think, even if, even if you can't really nail it down and we talk about identity, it's like, what, like what, what is it? This, it doesn't feel right. Like this isn't me. And that's a, that's a, a very evolved starting point, right. To be able to, to make change, to make, to make different decisions with what you're doing. Because sometimes if you never realize that, if you never come to that point, then how are you going to make different decisions? How are you going to how are you going to build on that? Nah, yeah, yeah, hundred percent right. I mean, you know, that was my rookie year, so you know, I played sixteen games that year, started a few. Going into my um, second year, we got a new coach. That's when Nick Saban came and was the coach of the Dolphins. And you know, let's I don't know the date that he took the job or his first day on the job, but the very first time I met Nick Saban was definitely not the way I wanted to meet him. I just recently got a DUI and got out of jail. And this is me meeting Nick Saban the very first time, straight straight from jail in a Sean John <laughs> oversized velour suit, smelling like alcohol and just disheveled. I didn't get to go home, no shower, no change of clothes, go straight to the head coach. This is my very first time meeting Nick Saban. And <laughs> so how, how'd that go? Yeah, like, hey, <laughs> nice to meet you, coach. And, 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 you know, we talked about the SC LSU game, like, cause the year before we split a national championship with LSU and he was the coach, you know, I, I think we would have won, uh, you know, so we had that little banter and, you know, the next thing he said was, it's a terrible way to meet you, you know? Um, and then we went in a conversation and he asked me a question that I still think about today. He said, who do you want your legacy to be? And I was just like, what? I I didn't even know, like, up until that moment, I've never had anybody ask me that. I didn't even know what the I didn't even know what that was. Hold on, wait a minute. On my end, you froze for a second. This you were like, yeah. I still think about this to this day. And then you said something, it froze. Sorry, okay. could you say it again? So I still think about this to this day. Nick Saban asked me, What do you want your legacy to be? Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I've never had anyone ever ask me that. I didn't even, I didn't know what that, I didn't know. I didn't know what that meant. Like, I, I know what legacy is, but I didn't know what it meant in that context. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, I mean, that kind of, that kind of just had me stuck, you know, for a second. And, um, you know, eventually the meeting was over and I had to go do the things I needed to do for, for the courts and et cetera. But, you know, he took a, took a liking to me. Um, at the moment, I, I, I just like kind of like shifted gears and just start diving into football. And I was playing good football going into my second year. Um, just, you know, 
game starts slowing down, uh, stop drinking. But I, I, I just stopped drinking because I got in trouble. I didn't stop drinking because I was trying to, like, better myself. And then I tore my ACL meniscus. Going into my second year, I was I was going I was I was I was starting, you know, so I'm ready now, you know, the NFL, getting ready to be a starter and go do my thing, play on the field. I tore my ACL and meniscus, and I didn't I haven't played an NFL game after that. And from that point on, um, man, I, my alcoholism just kind of took over. I just, you know, I didn't have the ability to bounce back from that. Um, because again, I'm still on a broken child dream. I'm still, you know, I still don't know know who I am, you know. So those all those impulsive uh, decisions and just that way of life, um, you know, ultimately it just it eventually, you know, it's it's cyclical. Man, um, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, it's 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 now that I know the man that you are and who you who you are, you know, today. It's like I know that there's a it's a happy story here, you know, but that's so tough to hear about like what you actually have to go through in those moments. And I'd imagine you talk about identity. I can only imagine, and I've had injuries in my life, but I never played professional sports or anything like that. But I imagine you're so tied your identity to living this dream, this broken child's dream, but you're living it. And then it's gone, you know? And the tools that you have around you that to coping mechanisms and if, if yours, you know, in this instance is, is alcohol, that's what you're going to go to, you know, that that's what you're going to use to, to get through it. And, man, it's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, um, I'm definitely grateful to be able to be here on this podcast and share that and share that story. Um, you know, uh, I, I feel like throughout, Throughout my life, all the trials and you know ups and downs prepared me for the for the for this moment exactly to you know share this story at the, at this moment in my life to be able to you know give someone else that shortcut or you know give someone else some a little bit of understanding of the things that's out there um, as you go down your career path, it, whether it's sports or not. You know, there's gonna be there's gonna be uh, ups and downs, valleys and peaks, and you know how we handle that. Is, is super important. Yeah. So uh, after your injuries and was there, before you go to the, you know, find your life after football, was there, was there a comeback there? Did you, what, what was the next steps in your progression? I was trying to play forever, man. You know, so um, eventually I came back, you know, but then, you know, I got, I got, you know, people in the NFL pretty much start finding out about my alcoholism. So it became a little bit more difficult you know, for me to get, get a job. Because at the end of the day, if you're good, you know, your issues, you know, your good, your athletic skills outweigh, you know, your issues. But as soon as you stop, you know, producing and then you just keep getting sooner or later, those problems start outweighing, you know, your value. And that's when they're like, all right, we're done with you. And so, um, and then I look back as, as, as a business, right? Today, I understand business Back then, I didn't understand business that way. And everything is relationship-based, right? So coaches, they all the same coaches. Some of them coaches, the same coaches I had. So relationships, GMs, they all talk, you know? And I know that I'm not going to give a referral to someone that I know the person I'm referring is just not going to stand up individual or, you know, not necessarily not a stand up individual, but 
is a liability because of the impulsivity, you know, mm-hmm. like I like you, but I don't trust you. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm giving you this money and I don't know what you're going to do in on, on, on Wednesday when we got practice Thursday. Right. So, um, so I understood that I understood that. And then I ended up, you know, trying out for different teams, had a cup of coffee with Kansas city. Then, um, I got cut from that team. Uh, and I ended up in Toronto in Canada. And so I played eight games there half the year. The next season went back to uh, Kansas City again. That was probably wasn't a bad, good idea. But I went back again because I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, my last, I'm trying to get back in the league. You know, I want the league yeah. money. Um, get get cut again. Now I'm back in Canada for eight games. And that was the writing on the wall right there. I'm like, listen, they play 18 games up here in Canada. They got 18 checks. I'm missing half the season because I'm sitting here trying to play football in the NFL. And I'm missing a, I'm missing some checks up here. I'm missing about nine checks, you know? And so I just, I just like, look, I'm done with the NFL. And I just like, I'm going to just stay up in uh, Canada and just finish my career up there. So that's what I did. Hmm. Uh, when it was eventually time for you to bow out, when, when you're, when you're done, done, what was that transition? Like how, how long before you were finished, were you thinking about the transition out and what you were doing, what are going to do next? So, you know, while I was in Canada, I was going through it because I'm like, well, what do what what am I like? What's what do we have for the for the for the people that's transitioning, right? Like, and so I retired, and you know, there's no soft landing after after retiring from professional sports, right? There's no there's no soft landing. Is there's no initial descent? You know, like hey, it's initial descent. You know, you're free to walk around cabin. You got you use the bathroom. It's your, it's your chance. And then you get another another message saying, all right, fasten the seatbelts. We're getting ready to, to, to touch down. When it's over, it's over. It's like a cliff. Mm-hmm. You're done, right? And trying to figure out what's next after that, especially not having an identity going into it, was probably um, some of the most difficult times that I've had. Not to mention, I didn't have a degree. And so, you know, trying to enter into life as at 30, at 30, 31, 30, 30 years old, 31 years old with no college degree and just no actual work experience. That's you're looking at hourly wages, you know, $15 an hour, $18 an hour. This is not a, a career. Uh, so naturally it's like, all right, well I'll train or I'll coach or, you know, I'll do something in the field that I know. But I never really wanted to do that because I didn't want to be no coach. You know, next thing you know, I'm in some other state every other year. I'm traveling and it's just not the life that I wanted uh, growing up in New York City. You know, I always had a uh, infinity for business. I wanted to, you know, be a businessman. There's a lot of things I wanted to do, but um, I didn't know how to get there. So that's when I really dove into my uh, substance abuse a lot more during those periods of um from my retirement until I went back to school and it got real, it got bad um, to the point where I have, my family thought that they were going to receive a call and it was going to be someone calling saying something happened to me. And when I heard the news of that, I like just laid out on the floor and start crying for like three hours. Uncontrollably. I could not stop crying. That was May 15th, 2014. I went to the, uh, I went to an AA meeting in May, 
no, May 15th that was. I went to an AA meeting on May 16th, 2014, and that was the last day I had a drink. Um, I just did a 90 for 90, just going to meetings every day for 90 days. And then six months later, I'm on a plane coming to, back to L.A. because I'm going back to USC to finish up my degree. Six months sober, so scared of everything right now because now I'm feeling all the feelings that I felt that I used to like kind of drink on. And not to mention I had a DUI here just sitting here waiting, just waiting for me. You know, in 2007, I, I got a DUI. I went to Canada and um, I had a warrant when I got back in 2015. Um, so I had to, I had a lot of cleaning up to do when I got back to L.A. And, you know, I was able to, you know, do that, um, take care of that DUI. Uh, they, 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 it got reduced to a reckless driving based on just where I was at in my life at at that moment. When I, when I did that, I had, you know, had it, had some, had about six or nine months sober, had the, the chip that I was bringing in this, to the, to the court. Like, Hey, I got the 24 hour. I got the three months. <laughs> I'm going to meet tonight. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I did that. And then I went back to school wanted to challenge myself, be radically open-minded and uh, study political science at SC. And then I just start diving into just, you know, just inwardly uh, becoming uh, the person that God ultimately intended me to be from, from birth. And so it was, I'm just, I'm still on that journey of that, that work because again, once I got sober, now I'm, I'm left to deal with all the pain, all the torment, all the, everything that was inside of me that was, leading me down these pathways of destruction. Now I got to deal with it. Now I got to look at it. I got to deal with it internally. And man, that was tough. You know, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to, you know, look at yourself and see, you know, oh, wow, you're pretty selfish. You know, oh, wow, that was wrong. You know, you see all the things that you've done over over the years and, you know, it, it, it leaves a distaste. So, you know, through the, again, through the inward work, I was just able to, you know, get on the other side of that. You you mentioned AA. Were were there any other resources that you went to that you found were helpful, whether they be organizations or or otherwise, um, people, groups, any anything else that has really helped you through the Absolutely. the times? So at the time, I was again. Remember, I told you I was a uh, I was coaching football. So I did, I was doing this football camp called Football University. Right, a, a, a buddy of mine's name Sam Madison who's now the uh, um, uh, defensive back coach for the Miami Dolphins, he was like, hey, man, I got this camp. You know, they're going to pay you like six, dollars $700. Uh, it's a weekend thing. They put you in a hotel Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, it will be cool. All you're doing is, you know, teaching the kids how to play football. They got middle school kids, high school kids. You doing one-on-ones, watching film. I'm like, what? They're going to give me $700 and I get a hotel for the weekend? Yes. Sign <laughs> me up. I'm retired. I didn't have anything to do with my life at the time. I was trying to figure life out. And then I got to this camp and I'm like, man, how much these kids pay? They're like about $500. I'm like, how many kids here? It's like about 300. I'm like, how many camps do you guys go to? We got about 40 this year. I'm like, oh, 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 how can I be down? Yeah. Right. And so I got an opportunity to be on a travel circuit with this football university camp. I was going about 15. 15 states a year going to these different places and putting on football camps. It was great. And a, and a, and a guy by the name of Kwame Lasseter, rest in peace, he passed away a few years back. One camp I was at, he looked at me and was like, 
are you doing with your life? It's like, what? <laughs> Have you ever heard of the NFL trust? And I'm like, nah, what's that? I'm like, every time I call an NFL PA, I feel like, I feel like I'm calling the DMV. You know, it's hard to get in touch with somebody to get some services. Like, they not dealing with you unless you painting man into somebody like that, you know? So the NFL trust came. It was an organization that was affiliated with the NFL for services, just like what we're talking about. So one of the services that they had was, I can help you go back to school. So Mm -hmm. I left USC in bad academic standings because I just went to school to play football. And so, you know, although they had scholarship money for me to go back to, being that I was on probation, I and I'm so far out, this is like 11 years later, right? So now it's like, hey, you could come back to school, but you got to prove that you this is something that you want to do. So you so you got to, you know, let's get the NFL trust to pay for two classes, come in and take two classes, you know, then take another two classes in a semester. So we put a degree plan together and the NFL trust paid for it. So the NFL trust services helped me out tremendously. Therapy, psychiatric, play a care foundation when I needed help while I was in school with my bills. I mean, they're everything. So the NFL trust, everything for me. And and and, and they about to have their 10-year anniversary. I joined them about 10 years ago. I was probably like the third or fourth person involved with the NFL trust. And thank you to Kwame Lasseter. May he rest in peace. Because I don't know what would have happened if he didn't say that, you know? It's amazing how um, serendipitous that can be. Like some, just just randomly somebody says something on a day that, you know, he could have easily talked about something else. But the fact that he said that and led you to there and you saying that that's been everything, it's remarkable. That's yeah, remarkable. And literally... You know, because when you stop playing football, when you're playing sports, I can look to my sideline and I have a coach. I have a coach giving me giving me directions. Everything in my life was, all right, 8 o'clock be here, 8.30 here, 9 o'clock. It was figured out for me already, you know? And, you know, you have a team, you know, accountability. You know, you have everything with, with the team. Um, we're all trying to win. Um, we hold each other accountable, et cetera. But once it's over, who's your coach? Who's your team? I said, I would, I would say everyone that's in a transition from, um, sports, you need three things. You need a coach, you need a team and, 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 and you need somebody that's, that's there for you. That does not have any skin in the game. Right. Because, you know, while we're playing, you know, you got parents, they, they got skin in the game. You got mm-hmm. girlfriend, they got skin in the game. Like some of the people that you have around you, there's some added value um, to being associated with you, right? Yeah. Not saying that that's what they're looking for. Like, oh, since I'm here, you got to do this. That's not necessarily the case. But there's like an emotional attachment to that. Like you feel that, you know, as opposed to when somebody like, oh, no, I just want to see you do do good. Yeah. You know? You know, that's what, you know, one of the things, and just to allude to the, the, with the Black Commercial Real Estate Network, one of the things that I find the most, I, I find the most joy in is being able to help somebody where 
it really doesn't like, I don't even realize how much I've learned over the years until somebody asks me a question about something. I'm like, Oh yeah, just this and that. And it's not a big deal to me to, to, to share that, but to them, it could mean the world. And you're like, Oh wow. I guess I have learned a lot. I guess I am doing something because you know, honestly, I, sometimes I've felt so rudderless. And so like, what am I doing? I don't fit in this industry. And am I, am I enjoying this? And you know, there's an identity thing there as well in the commercial real estate. So yeah. that really resonates with me when you, you saying that when of like, you need somebody like that. And that's what, one of the things that I'm trying to do for other people as well, because it, it's amazing how, how, how much that can blossom into other things when you take that attitude. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been huge for my, um, my journey. And again, yeah. I'm, I'm still on this journey, right? I still, you know, I, I go to the beach, I, I, I meditate, I try to, you know, read, I try to work out every day, you know, I try to add on new things for myself to, you know, uh, keep my mental health, um, you know, as far as that being the number one uh, priority for me, you know, um, because jumping in, you know, corporate America and as in, in, in commercial real estate as a, as a, as a, as a black man is, um, is extremely, extremely challenging. Um, and it's not the work that's challenging, although we know just the actual day-to-day -day of being a commercial real estate advisor is challenging. I would say that's probably like 10% of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy to hear you put a percentage to it, but yeah. I mean, like, you know, this is open for discussion, but I would say 10% because the other, the other 90% is like, hey, you know. Tell me about how you, how you got into the, the corporate world after football i'm sorry wait i got we got lost there i got lost there for a second i started skipping around oh no i hit you with i hit you with one hey so uh i went back to sc uh i went to school and this you know right around graduation time i'm in one of these i'm in one of my uh classes um and i'm talking to i, I guess you know one of my uh um classmates again i'm 33 they 23 but you know we're in the same class and I'm like, oh man, we gotta get a hey, bro, we gotta get a job. What you, what are you gonna do? Because <laughs> I don't, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. And so um, I'm like, all right, well, I want to make a lot of money. I want to make my own schedule. So the process of elimination kind of got me to commercial real estate, right? I want to make mm -hmm. a lot of money. I want to make my own schedule. So so much stuff just fell by the ways, man. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to engineer and miss that boat. Yeah. Right. On the on the on the, on the math tip, uh, not be a doctor, not going to be a lawyer because I'm not going to law school. I'm already 35 when I graduated. No way I'm going to law school. I need something to dive into right now. And it was commercial real estate. And being a USC Trojan, as you're aware of, Southern California is filled with uh, Trojan alumni in the, in the commercial real estate space. So I tapped into this. Uh, I did a keynote speak. Uh, speaking engagement for the USC football team and business uh, alumni. And at the, at the speech, I start talking about my next step and I'm excited for it, but I didn't say what it was. And so there were some, some people in the, in the uh, audience that were in commercial real estate that I was hoping come up to me and say, Hey, what, what is it? And they did. And I said, commercial real estate, come see me next week. Yes. And so I, from that point on, I went on like a, four month tour around Southern California, just meeting with a bunch of Trojans that they were, one Trojan would lead me to three Trojans. 
then another one lead me to five. And then one will lead me like the network was unbelievable. Then I got a call from this guy named Nick Brown. And he's like, hey, got a job for you. Call his number. You got any questions? So I was like, uh, thank you. Hung the phone up. That was my that was the beginning of my journey. Wow. Well, that's the power of the network right there. Power of the network. And it works if you work it, right? Like you gotta work it though, you know? Yeah. You gotta work it. But yeah, the power power of the USC network is tremendous. So and do you are you good with time? Do you still have a few more minutes to Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. Okay. So one of the things I wanna I wanna talk about your experience in commercial real estate, but I don't I actually I really want to make sure that we talk about project free will. Absolutely. So like you can spend as much time and your experience in commercial real estate as you want, but I, I want to make sure we get to project free will, because to me, that is the shining light of like how you're, how you're really going to break through to the next level of your, your personhood, your existence. Um, yeah. That that's why I see it, but yeah, go please share. Yeah, no, I mean the information, like you said earlier, like I I'm just thankful for my seven, six, seven years in the commercial real estate space, right? The information that I was able to gather is just invaluable. I can uh, take it, take it with me and, you know, be able to apply it to some of the things that I was doing. Um, You know, my experience, um, you know, there were, there were a lot of good people that I met. There was a lot of good uh, business that was done. Unfortunately for me, in my first uh, space, I experienced some traumatic uh, racial experiences that, you know, uh, led me down a a path of just darkness. You know, um, I was sad. I would have to do so many things just to get get gear myself up to go to work. Um, you know, I would sleep oh, most of the weekends just you know just trying to just you know re-energize myself to go back into the office. And um, I was always I didn't know if I was going to be walking in on a on a landmine. You know, by just again, you know. Walking to your walking to your to your desk, somebody could say something that's just completely completely out of bounds, and I look around. I'm the only guy in there that's black, and so I don't really have. I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't. Again, I didn't have the confidence in myself to, you know, you know, set boundaries because I'm like, this is how I make money. I'm the only. I'm the only black guy. I don't want to be labeled as the angry black man. Like it was crazy. Um, and then I had to start going to therapy to be able to like, I was initially going to therapy to deal with my, my life, you know, <laughs> my previous stuff that I was dealing with. But next thing you know, I'm talking about work most of the time and just trying to, you know, find different uh, coping mechanisms to go in there and just be able to successfully do my job. But it, it was one of the most uh, traumatic experiences I've ever, I've ever been in um, it, because it was, it was so subtle. Hmm. Like you can't see, you can't see that. Like that's not something you can see. Oh, chocolate covered razor razor blades. Like, uh, (laughs) like it's just like, but also one of the things that's so wild about that experience and you saying that's the most traumatic of all the things that you went through, you know, the DUI, the, the, the injuries, all those things. And now you're at a point where you're in an office and some, I mean, I imagine that some people find it hard, like really like then people are making comments. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's traumatic. It's traumatic. And there's no, there's no way around that. And, um, 
I mean, I you could oh, I can remember the day when I realized like, oh, damn, y'all laughing at me. Yeah. Right, because you know I'm from the inner city. I know I I could read. I could read the room, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, it was a. It was, I'm I'm just thankful that um I had the experience um to be able to again internalize it and share it with um the next the next generation that wants to get into the space because um commercial real estate as a whole is a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to change the the dynamics of uh, your family's life and. I'm, you know, at my age, I'm, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to sit around for the next 15, 20 years and look up and be like, I was in a situation where, um, my soul, I was losing my soul, a piece of my soul every day. You know, I, I, I'm so happy that you're being candid about and talking about this. Cause this is one of the big reasons why I started the black commercial real estate network is because there, there's this experience that you have. And I've been in the industry almost 20 years and that subtlety um, that, that you're talking about and it's there and it doesn't feel right. And you're just like, how, who do I talk to about this? Like, there's no one, there's no one around here that looks like me that I could talk to about this. And that, I feel like that's been so powerful for so many people to, to be like, okay, not only are my feelings valid, but they're shared by other people. I'm not alone. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not alone through this. So, I mean, that's one of the, the, the best blessings to all of this is being able to connect and being able to share these deeper feelings with people and give us the power to, to give us that authority. Cause like you said, you're like, I didn't have the confidence to, to say anything or, or to, to, to really respond in a way that I wanted to, but because now you're able to talk about it and really be open about it, not only does it give you the confidence to say like, Hey, no, this is how I feel. And this is what I'm going to do about it. But all those other things in your life that you're like, and you know what else? Watch this. I'm going to go yeah. do this too. Right? Like that confidence yields and begets other confidence and other things. And it just continues to compound going forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you, you're hundred percent right. You know, I think everything that led me into this, commercial real estate space gave me the resiliency and the, uh, you know, the foundation to be able to withstand it. But, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish, you know, going in that type of hostile um, racial environment for anyone. It, it's just, it's, it's not good for the soul. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it'll crush you and it could potentially kill you. One of, one of the things that I think that you're, most of the people that in my career that I've managed real estate for them. Cause a lot of what I've done is, is third party management. And I've realized a couple of years ago that most of the people that I'm managing real estate for did not make their wealth in real estate. Like they made it somewhere else and then they bought real estate and they were able to grow their yeah. hold and grow. And so now I'm like, huh? Okay. So maybe I got to leave, <laughs> go, go get, go get wealth somewhere else and then come back. And so now because of the tool and granted, like you shouldn't have to deal with the things that you did, but now you're going on to something else and you're able to make a huge impact. But now guess what? What, when you're there and you're doing that, now you're going to be able to come back and be the owner of all the real estate and know, and know what you're talking about, not just be a, a passive owner. You're going to be able to like, no, 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 
these these cap rates are wrong. <laughs> like yeah. this reimbursable expense is in the, you know it's in the wrong column here. So so yeah. that's something powerful in in that and what you're what you're doing. Again, like I'm thankful for the knowledge that I was able to get. You know, um, it's invaluable, and you're right on the right track. Now it's like, well, why am I going to continue to do it that way? I might as well go make some money and do it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the beautiful thing about real estate. Commercial is it's, it's more it's more than one way to go about it. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about. Um, this world we live in, especially in this new information, this technology, this social world, like there's so many ways that before in the past, there was gatekeepers to prevent you from doing things like what we're doing right now. Now we don't need, we just need a camera and a good idea and the opportunity. Yeah. Boom, you're on. And so that, that makes me feel good, you know, by, by launching this passion, passion project called Project Free Will, um, PFW. And, um, I've been having a great time doing it because it, it, it encompasses everything that I love to do, you know, business, music, um, fashion, journalism, you know, talking, podcasts. Um, so it's pretty much a multimedia platform, uh, giving athletes an opportunity to share stories through their lens. Um, I'm also having an opportunity to share my story through speaking engagements, corporate uh, corporate speaking, um, community college, college speaking, athletic teams, et cetera. So it's just fun, man. You know, it's the, we putting together the same, you know, a pitch deck, um, you know, uh, out, out, out call list, you know, call uh, a call list is, is no different than outreaching and cold calling. So I'm just mm-hmm. doing the same thing, but it's just like, I'm the product and that, and that, and that's, that's a lot more fun. Yeah. And, and now because of all your experiences and all the different, pools that you, you know, pun intended, all the different pools that, that you've been in. It's like, you're bringing your whole self to this, you know, and now you can draw on those past experiences and even all the things that you touched on today of like, Oh, this is what I learned here on oh, this. And I learned this lesson here and you carry all that with you now. So you're, you're bringing your whole self, a holistic approach to this project. Yes. Yes. I'm bringing everything um, that's inside of me. Um, but most importantly, just being um, um, truth, like expressing my truth um, and, you know, being someone on the front lines for give others um, the opportunity to do the same and, you know, be seen, uh, be heard. Right. Because a lot of athletes stories are, are told from the lens of, you know, someone that's not, not that's not the athlete. Um, and I, I, I believe, you know, for me, mm-hmm. having a safe place especially life after sports is important. And I just get to encompass so many different things that I enjoy and mix my business and passion and find a way to make some money doing it. It's just like, man, it just so, it feels free. So I'm, yeah. I'm super thankful. Um, I got a great team and um, it's also, it's been awesome. Well, Will, I'm uh, super proud of you. I'm a big fan of everything that you're doing and you said a lot of things today. I didn't. I didn't know the full backstory like you gave today. And um, you know, it's extremely inspiring. And I'm ex- I'm excited for you. And the world is your oyster. And I'm I'm happy to be even play a small role in that. Hoping to share your story. And um, yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. I uh, appreciate you. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, anything you ever need from me, feel free to give me a shout. Um, if anybody out there listening want to want to follow. Um, uh, Project Free Will on Instagram at uh, Project Free Will, one word. 
my personal uh, Instagram is at will uh, underscore pool, P-O-O-L-E. And, you know, we just we just out here just trying to share stories and spread some light on these athletes' perspectives. Um, I'll be doing a lot of um, uh, uh, interviews and just, you know, some cool stuff to come, some cool yeah. stuff to come. Well, we'll share all of your your contact information, all your projects in the show notes. And yeah, Will, great stuff, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks again. Thanks for having me, bud. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And if you did find value in the episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform leaving a review, and sharing with your network. We have an amazing lineup in the coming weeks and months with some very impressive leaders and some of the heaviest hitters in business who are making a positive impact in the world. So stay tuned for more exciting episodes and special features coming up. We appreciate your ongoing support and look forward to welcoming you back next time on Tools, Talents, and Techniques.